Hallelujah, what a Savior. In my place, condemned, he stood. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day you've given us today, Lord. Thank you that we're able to gather together and worship you, Lord. Thank you for being with us here, Lord, today. Bless each one in this room, Lord, and bless the words that I must speak. Help them be glory to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of this devotions is Unashamed. Are you embarrassed of the gospel? There tends to be a low-grade embarrassment that we could get um, through in our society, more or less. Um, the Christian faith makes some intense claims. This might be why we're sometimes embarrassed by it. Um, Jesus became incarnate, took on flesh like me and you. He lived among us and lived a sinless life, though he was tempted in every way. Has come for our sins and our salvation. He went to the cross and died for us, took our place on the cross, and was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he came back to life and ascended to heaven on a cloud and is ruling and reigning over all things. And one day is going to split the eastern sky and come back, apparently, on a horse. So that's kind of some crazy claims. And if we're just out talking to somebody that doesn't know, doesn't ever read the Bible, they're going to think, man, this guy's gone crazy. And so I think that's why there tends to be an embarrassment. That's part of it anyways. In the world we live in, it can be easy to become very quiet about our faith, to lose confidence in our faith or even to reconsider it altogether. The answer to this problem is not a newer Christianity, or an upgraded Christianity, but a deeper Christianity, an older Christianity, actually. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Paul said he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Paul boldly stated this even though he would get beaten and thrown in jail. How many times do we face those? Do we have, when we are out sharing the gospel, do we ever get threatened to get beaten? Or have we ever been beaten and thrown in jail? It could be easy to say, well, you know, Paul had it easy. But really, he had a lot harder than us. So why aren't we doing what he's doing? Amen. Even though he faced persecution, he was unashamed of the gospel. He eventually lost his head for this gospel. He was tempted. He was probably tempted. And maybe he was tempted to turn it down a bit. Like, I'll touch on this subject, but I ain't going to touch on this one. But even if he was tempted, he said, I'm resolved. I am not going to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm not embarrassed by its message. I'm not embarrassed by the content of it. I'm not scared of the consequences. He said, I'm confident in it, and I'm convinced of it, and I openly confess it without fear and without shame. So here's the question. How can you and I have the same kind of confidence of the gospel of Jesus and live our lives unashamed with the gospel? Because Jesus warned us about being ashamed of him. He said, if you're ashamed of me in this life, then I will be ashamed of you in the world to come. If you don't confess me before men here, I won't confess you before your, my heavenly Father. In verses 8 and 9, Paul says, I 
serve Jesus with my spirit. I give it everything I have. I serve with my whole heart. Paul gave it everything he had. That's all he lived for. Here are some reasons why you and I don't have to be ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is God's truth and power to save. It's salvation to anyone that believes. The gospel is the only thing that could deal with our guilt. Now every person has felt guilt. Before we all feel guilt, there's things that we have done that we feel guilty about. But guilt is not simply a feeling, it is a fact. You feel guilty because, in fact, you are guilty. The scripture says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and because of that, we don't just have the feelings of guilt, but objectively have the fact of guilt hanging over our head, and because of that, we are under God's judgment, and only the power of the gospel can rescue us from the judgment and free us from the feelings of guilt and shame. Nothing else will do it. You could try to just grit your teeth and just, just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do right, and I'm not going to sin and all this stuff, but you're not going to get rid of the, the feelings of guilt and shame except through Jesus. The whole point of the gospel is that Jesus came, the sinless one, to bear our sins for us, to pay the penalty of our sins, to take on the guilt and shame of it, and die in our place that we could be forgiven and through faith in him be justified, to be declared righteous before God, just as if I had never sinned, just as if I had always obeyed. And that's ours in the Gospels, and there's nothing else that has the power to rid you from your guilt and free you from the condemnation but Jesus and Jesus alone. Romans 8 shows us that the Gospel has the power to save us from sin's presence. So, it has the power to save us, but it also has the power to save, to save us from sin's presence. It's called glorification. So sin's penalty, I'm saved from it, and that's called justification. Sin's power, I'm being saved from it, that's sanctification. And one day, the presence of sin that's, one day, the presence of sin that's glorification, where we will be made completely perfect, given a new body, and just like Jesus. When we go to heaven, there is no sin there. We're going to be finally free from all the things that I hate about myself, free from all the hateful things I do, and healed from all the hateful things that were done to me. Glorified completely, set free from the presence of sin. The gospel is God's answer to our deepest needs, so that we can be forgiven, that we can be free from the bondage of sin, that we can be set free from darkness, that we can be set free from the fear of death. To know that we are actually known and loved. We read about the power of the gospel in Acts 16, starting in verse 14. And I think I'm going to go ahead and read that. So that's Acts 16. And we'll start in there at uh, verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a sailor of purple of the city of Theretii, which worship God heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come unto my house and abide there. And she constrained, constrained us. And it came to pass that as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divinity, Neation met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So basically she she could 
foretell the future because of this demon that was in her. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who show us unto the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I can command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew him into the market place unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and command to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we, all are, we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and sought, brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So here, first we have the, the rich woman got saved. And she opened up her house to Paul and Silas. Then Paul cast out a devil, this young slave girl that was being used as a fortune teller. And that made the, her masters angry, as we've seen there. And they basically made her, made them get arrested, more or less. Because um, she was making them a lot of money, so they got, they got pretty upset when they lost that. So they get Paul and Silas in jail. So here they're sitting. They just got beaten a whole bunch. And they start singing and praying. Now, now that's, that's, some, that's strength right there. How many of us think that after we get beaten and we're sitting in jail, that we're going to, oh, well, let's start praising the Lord. Let's, let's be happy we're here. Um, so where did the strength come from? 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So here they sit praising God, and the earthquake came and loosened them. That's when the jailer got scared because he thought they all escaped and he was about to kill himself. He's like, well, they're going to kill me anyways, or I'm going to get tortured, so I might as well just kill myself. And that's when he realized that they're still there. And he fell at his feet and he said, what must I do to be saved? He's seen a power there that he didn't have. So because of the power of the gospel, the first church in Philippi started. It consisted of a wealthy lady, a former slave girl, and a big, tough, mean jailer. Now, that's one crazy church. Um, and that's the power of the gospel to take these kinds of people with these kinds of past and presence and brokenness and anger and rage and heartbreak and seeking and darkness to be set free from all of that and brought together as a family in Jesus. And that's the message and mercy of Jesus to bring and transform people, lives changing, 
transform people's lives, changing households, transforming cities, and reaching nations. That is the power of the gospel. The gospel is not just for unbelievers. It is also for believers. So it's not just there to go out to the streets and to save everybody. We need it preached here in the church. The gospel doesn't just save us. It also changes us. We need the gospel every day. And more we understand the gospel, the more and more our lives are transformed by it. It's the gospel that empowers us to forgive each other. If I commit a wrong and I'm wallowing in the guilt and shame of it, how do I deal with that? Do I just, again, grip my teeth and just try as hard as I can? You go back to the gospel that Jesus is able to say to the uttermost because he lives to intercede for us. Jesus is interceding for us. That's the promise of the gospel, that Jesus died for our sin, even that one that I just committed. You see someone that's in need, how do you find the motivation to help reach that need? Do you say, well, you know, I just got a lot of money, and, you know, this poor guy, I'll just, you know, help him out. No, you reach out to reach that need because God showed you mercy. God showed us mercy, so we need to show others mercy. Your Heavenly Father was merciful to you, so you were called to be merciful to others. What if you feel desperate for someone's approval? How are you going to deal with that? Convince yourself that you're good enough and smart enough and people are just going to like you? Is that what you're going to do? No, you have to, you have to say, God's already spoken the greatest verdict over my life that could ever be spoken. He's declared me righteous in his sight. He has called me his beloved. That's the only verdict we should ever need. You are forgiven and loved and accepted, and I'm for you. I'm not against you, God says. And that is the gospel. Let's not be ashamed of it. Amen. Thank you.